Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Hey, the last couple uh, weeks, we've been in a series called Jesus Is, and we've been looking at the character of Jesus. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those messages, I would encourage you uh, to go and do so. We're going to be launching into a series in a couple weeks called Plus One. Everybody say Plus One. Uh, And the whole premise of the series is going to be looking at the book of Acts and stories in the early church where somebody reached somebody else with the gospel of Jesus. Stories of conversion and baptism, similar to what we get to celebrate this morning uh, as people come through these baptismal waters. And as I was praying ahead about what to preach, uh, there's a sermon that I just want to drop a little early. It's kind of like a teaser or a trailer, if you will. That's what's going to come this morning. Uh, I just kind of jumped the gun. I'm going to preach out of Acts chapter 3 and just drop this one on you early. Y'all cool with that? It'll give you an idea of what's coming in a couple weeks. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3, or maybe you're following along on a phone or an iPad. That's cool too. Uh, but I want to invite you to, to follow along on the screens here as I read these verses in their entirety. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. If you have a Bible, underline that, three o'clock prayer service. Or on your your phone, if you can highlight it, notate it. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said to him, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Underline that. We're going to come back to that. We're going to camp on that. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Verse 7. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. How many of y'all know when Jesus does a miracle in your life, you get in his house, right? God forbid we ever just take from Jesus what we want him to do for us and never come to church again. I've got stories where that's happened. I hope you won't ever be the substance of that story. Verse 8. He jumped up, went into the temple. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Verse 10. When they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. The sermon today, if you're taking notes, is called, Whose Hand Are You Holding? Whose Hand Are You Holding? Now, I am a a fix-it 
kind of guy. Do I have any like fix-it people in here? Uh, solutions people in here. Anybody? Come on, Stephen. I know. Hey, by the way, y'all walked in uh, under a tent awning this morning that Stephen Lodeholt built. Can we give a little praise? If you've never served on a greeting team, you don't know the value of that shade. Uh, I'm a fix-it guy. I like solutions. I love YouTube. I just, uh, I believe that in my household, if another man can do it, so can I. Uh, if, in other words, if we got a plumbing problem at the house, I'm not calling a plumber. I am the plumber, and I'll go to YouTube, and I'll fix the problem, right? Uh, and this, this, this mentality, and listen, I, I can do a lot of stuff, but this mentality has gotten me in trouble at times. Uh, last year during COVID, we all did a little bit of crazy stuff, didn't we? Anybody have any stuff? You, you did some stuff last year, and you're like, man, that was dumb, and you just go, ah, COVID. Uh, we got a bunny. We got two bunnies, and y'all already know. Some of y'all already know. Bunnies make bunnies. Right. And, and, and so Ashley, my wife was like, babe, we need a, we need a cage. And I said, okay, if we're going to build a cage. We're going to build a cage. We're going to build a hutch. Went online, tried to buy a hutch, a couple hundred dollars. Why would I pay money for something I can build? I go down to Home Depot, get the wood. I come home and we build, it is a hutch, a huge rabbit hutch. It's a, a rabbit mansion and build it in the driveway right by my garage. And then it came time to move that thing to the backyard. Well, what I didn't realize is, is the four by fours and the two by fours and the different compartments, it was, it was heavy. This thing was very heavy. And so I look at my boys and I said, Bradley Bryson, let's go. Y'all got to man up and we got to carry this thing. <laughs> Y'all, the, th- the three of us couldn't pick it up. And so I got my, my trailer, attached it to my Tahoe. We put it on the trailer and then I backed the trailer into my yard. Well, and that was fine. We unloaded and everything was good. Well, then came time to get the Tahoe out of the yard. And... And my wheels just start spinning in my grasp. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because, y'all, we got neighbors. We live in a neighborhood, right? So right away, it's already redneck that I've got the Tahoe in my backyard in the neighborhood. And so my neighbors, you know, second story, I know they're watching. And uh, as we're out there, I'm like, you know, babe, get, babe you get in the, in, the, in the driver's seat. I'll push, right? That's right. It's a 6,000-pound Tahoe. I got this because I'm going to do it. And I get, come on, boys, we're going to push this thing. And we're back there getting sprayed with mud. And then out of the house next door, my neighbor, Kevin, Kevin might be watching this message. Kevin comes out. He's like, hey, you need some help? And everything inside of my prideful little soul was like, no, I got this. I don't, I'm good, Kevin. Th-. But at that point, it's like, Kevin, I, I'll use all the help I can get. We both sit there, push, get sprayed. Sad to say, the Tahoe spent the night in the backyard that day. Uh, it did not work. This mentality of, hey, I can do everything, uh, it gets me in trouble sometimes. And uh, this, this story that we're looking at today, it really is a situation where uh, we have a man who's in a predicament with a problem that he couldn't solve. And, and I believe what happens in this story really can teach us a lot spiritually about the condition that we find ourselves in and the condition that many people find themselves in that may not be here today but may be connected to you in some way. Uh, what we have in the story is uh, Peter and John, who were two of the closest disciples to Jesus. Peter, James, and John were like three of his closest disciples. And this takes place right after Acts chapter 2, where Peter preaches at Pentecost. By the way, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day we commemorate the fact that like the Holy Spirit fell in the early church. Thousands of people got saved. This is Peter right after that happens. Like thousands to get saved, thousands are baptized, they establish these little house churches, and then we find that every day 
Peter and John, they went to the temple to pray because y'all, the picture of the early church is this. Yes, Acts 2, 42 through 44, it talks about, hey, they met together in homes and they broke bread and they prayed and like some people go, oh, it's just about house church. And some will go, no, 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 it's just about church church. And y'all, the early church was both and, right? They met in homes for church and they went to the temple together. There's nothing wrong if you wanna do church at home, but if you just do church at home, you're missing something by church together, right? There's, there's value in coming together as one. And so Peter and John here, they're, they're going to the temple because they did this every day. Like this was just part of their routine. This was part of the monotony, part of what, what they did. And what's crazy so oftentimes is we, we tend to read miracles like this and we focus on the miracle. And what I don't want us to miss, especially those of you who are like faithfully attending church, is that I, I've just discovered that God works his miracles in the middle of really what seems mundane. Let me back. Some of you right now, you're a very different person than you were 10 years ago or two years ago. And there wasn't this like, oh, it all happened miraculously overnight. But in you getting in the word every single day and worshiping every single Sunday and praying on occasion and giving faithfully what you're finding along the way, you got changed over time. Right. But it took the mundane. It didn't seem miraculous as it happened. But but God worked in the midst of the mundane. They're going to the temple and they see this man who's lame from birth. So this wasn't an accident that happened in his life. This wasn't some tragedy that took place and all of a sudden he was walking, now he, he can't. This is all that he knows. Like he, he was born not able to walk. And so his whole life, he essentially, the only way he could survive was off the goodwill of other people. And, and in the early church, like first century, Jews and Christians went to the temple together. Right, so Jews were, and still are, they were waiting on the Messiah to come. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they would go to the temple every single day and they would just follow the law. And uh, according to the law, they had to give money to those who were broken or those who were hurting. And so this, this lame beggar knew, okay, if I can just get outside the temple, when they're coming to church, they have to give money to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, nothing will make you feel worse than that right? You're like, I'm going to church. I know I should. Uh, no, I'm going to sit right there. I'm going to sit right there. And so every day, every day he would have people carry him to sit right outside this gate, right outside the temple so that he could receive from religious people what they were obligated to give. Stay with me. On this day, it's different because he's got some devoted Christians that are filled with the Holy Spirit that come walking by. And so what he's expecting to get is the same money that he's gotten every single day. Now when Peter and John walk by, something different is about to happen. This isn't, this isn't just like any other day in this man's life. This is a different day. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Some of you have come to church today, or maybe you're listening today, and it's just another Sunday. You know, I'm going to church again. Go, I'm going to go worship, I'm going to sing a song, hear a welcome, sing two songs, hear a sermon, I'm going to walk out and have another week. Can I just say that when, when we approach church with a mentality that maybe today's a different kind of day than any other day we ever walked in here, God can do something special in our lives, right? Because religion would say this, and y'all, we are littered with this in our city. I was driving over the bridge the other day, and you look downtown Charleston, you see all the steeples, y'all with me? And I'm so mad at Mayor Tecklenburg. Let me back up real quick. 
I serve on the mayor's clergy council. I'm not mad at him. I just wish he wouldn't let the buildings get so hot. I like seeing all the steeples, right? My vote only goes so far. I don't take things political. Y'all know this from this platform. Come on, John. Like, I, I like... I, I like seeing all the steeple. It's a, it's a symbol of, for our city, this religious tolerance that we're known for, right? And, and so while that's good in some degree, the downside to that is that we're just religious. We got a culture called the holy city. I go to church. I grew up in church. I'm Catholic. I'm Lutheran, right? I go to the circular church. I'm Christian. And, and so we have all these labels. Here's the problem with the labels, they're short-lived, and they won't carry you through the difficult things in life. And so what we have right here is we have a man, all this religion taking place. He's coming in, sitting outside the temple. People are going in. They're observing the law. The Jewish people, the Christians are coming in. They would debate which one's right outside the temple. And in the middle of this debate, we have this lame beggar that's going, look, everything you're talking about is great, but I'm staying the same. Nothing's happened in my life. I think there's a lot of people that look at the church today and say, hey, that's all great, everything y'all talk about and debate about and argue about and divide about and denomination about and split about. And... But it means nothing to me. I've stayed the same. That's where this lame man is. And so there's a couple things. By the way, you go, well, what's lame mean? Lame, he's got a problem that he can't fix. Y'all, there's a lot of people in our world, maybe even some listening today, and you got a problem you just can't fix. Maybe you came to church today because you've got a problem that you can't fix. This is your last ditch effort. You're coming going, look, I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know what to do with my kids. I've got an addiction and I'm stuck. Maybe I'm in debt financially. I'm frustrated. The things of this world will not fix my problems. So let's give church a try. I'm glad you're here. And then I think there's three things from this passage, three big things from this passage we can learn. I could preach a whole series on this, this one chapter, and I might one day. But I want to I just focus on three big bullet points today. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes. Um, what we see in this story and what I think Peter and John do very well, the first thing is they, they evaluate what the man is actually asking for. So the first thing we can learn is we need to learn to evaluate the ask when people ask a question. Check this. When Peter and John saw this man, he saw them about to enter. He asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us now. Imagine the man's just watching everybody. Like when you leave church today and y'all, you know, it's like this big funnel that goes out these doors. That's what he was watching walking into the temple. He's seeing all these people go by. So he's just out there, you know, with his tin can going, anybody, anybody. I, I just, you know, he's looking at everybody the same. He's just kind of panning the crowd. Anybody that was willing to give him money. And Peter and John, they essentially go, hey, 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 stop. Look right here. I, I need your attention. Focus, focus. See, Peter and John knew that what God was about to do was very different than anything this man had ever experienced. But if he was distracted by all the other stuff, he wouldn't receive what they were about to give. Listen to me. Church, and one of the reasons I'm a little negative on people using the Bible as their phones, or their phones as the Bible, can I just say it real quick? Can I step on some of your toes? Some of y'all are like, I don't really bring my Bible anymore. You get so distracted. Ain't nothing like reading, you know, you're in 1 Corinthians 12, just reading along, and all of a sudden, ding, you get a notification. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, I'm gone. You can sit in church and be distracted. You, you can sit in here right now and you're, and, and you're thinking, man, where are we going for lunch? Who are we taking? Ah, when's he going to shut up so I can put the boat in the ramp? <laughs> God, why is he wearing that shirt? It's so weird. I lost some of y'all with this shirt. 
you can, you can easily, you can easily get distracted, right? And God, Peter and John go, hey, look, 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 look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. And this is what Peter said. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. The man asked for money, but Peter and John knew there was deeper meaning to the question. How many of y'all know when people ask you a question, there's a deeper meaning? When my kids go, um, hey, Dad, what are we having for dinner? What that really means is, hey, Dad, I want a Pop-Tart right now. So when, when is dinner, right? Uh, some of you are asking the question, why does why why God let bad things happen to good people? And that's a good question, and it's one to ponder. But the bigger issue is, how are you handling the heartbreak that got you to that question? Because there's, there's always layers. There's layers to this thing, or there's levels to it, right? Like, when somebody asks a question, there's something deeper going on. There's all, I think about J- Jesus at John chapter 4 when he's woman at the well, right? She's going, well, hey, what mountain do we worship on? And Jesus is like, hmm, you're fun. You're worried about, that's, you're not worried about the worship. You're worried about the fact that your worship is covering the sins that you have in your life, and you got a bunch of different husbands that you don't even want to talk about. That's the issue. It's John chapter three when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Nicodemus is like, hey, I can't make sense of this. How in the world can somebody be born again? And what Jesus is going is, look, oh, I I see. You want me to fit into your logic system so that you can follow me. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Like Jesus sees beneath the surface. It's Pontius Pilate when Jesus is arrested. And Pontius Pilate asks questions. Are you a king? What is truth? And Jesus knows, hey, you're asking these things because the things that you've been satisfying in are not filling that void that you have. There's always a deeper issue to the question. We would do well to think beyond it, right? This this guy's going, hey, I need money. Do y'all have any money to give? And they look at him and they hear his question, but they also see his situation. Because his situation is he's asking for money, but he really needs legs. Let's just be honest. He's he's just trying to get by, right? And, And they see that there's something deeper to the situation. And they could have stopped with I don't have any money. Now, I thought about asking you to raise your hand if you've ever given that excuse to somebody. You got any money? I don't carry cash. You are lying. (laughs) They could could have stopped at the excuse. And, you know, a lot of Christians, listen, a lot of church people do. Church people are great at making excuses. I'm going there, Tevin. They they are. Christianese spiritualize everything. Y'all have been dumped by a, a Christian girl? <laughs> I'm about to start a fight right now. It's like, look, look, I, I was praying about us. And it's not you. I just need a season away. Like, I, I need to draw near to the Lord. So that means I need to distance myself from you. All right, guys. Just say you don't like them. If they ever tell you that, that means they don't like you. That's just facts. I'm serious. It's true. It is. Or are they, are they leave a church? Oh, y'all got quiet. I'm not getting fed enough. You ain't get, you're not getting fed or you don't know how to eat. Like that's, it's, that's, that really is the question. It's, it really is the question. It's like, look, I, cause, cause the Bible says that spiritually mature Christians Know how to grab a fork and a knife and slice this thing up and feed themselves. Now, I understand, I do understand 
I understand if you're a spiritual infant and you need a bottle. But don't walk out these doors and say, hey, I need a different brand of Pedialyte. That's, you can either eat or you can't. If you're offended by that, it, you, you're not, probably not going to make it here. Like it's, cause it's, it's just one of these things where like we, we tend to like make all these excuses about why we feel a certain way or why we want to do what we want to do and we excuse our behavior. And I think Peter and John right here could have easily been like, look, you are begging every day for money. We don't have money. So we're going to keep on walking so that we don't have to address what it is that you're dealing with. And y'all, I think the reason a lot of Christians incubate themselves and hold at arm's length the people of this world who don't have what they have is because they don't know how to fix what they are going through. They don't know how to address the situation. You go, what do you mean? I mean, you're navigating through life and you've got a couple whose marriage is on the rocks. And instead of reaching out to them going, I'm here to help, you go, oh God, they're unhealthy. I better walk this way. Because you're scared of it, right? Like we, we don't know what to do. It's the reason why someone goes through depression. And what do we do? Oh God, they got their issues. You might want to get counseling. No, no, listen, if you're a Christian, you have the answer to that situation. Walk into it. That's exactly what Peter and John do here. There is a mob going by. And Peter and John say, hey, look right here. Because something's about to change. I know you want money. I know you want nickels and dimes. But what I'm about to drop on you is very different. This man's going, I need money to get by. Because what he was looking for and what he was seeking was based on how he saw himself. And I know in my life, and I'm sure it's this way in yours, we tend to seek after the things based on how we see ourselves. In other words, if you go, man, I, I, don't feel, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm good enough and I don't feel like I'm uh, pleasing God enough, right? Well, then I need to do more for him. And so what do we seek after? Approval, success, drive, performance. Or maybe you go, I don't really have like any close relationships in my life where I feel empty inside. I need a girl to fill this void, then we start investing in and going after these relationships. And why? Because you see yourself as empty and needing that, right? Or money. Man, if I just have money, then somehow I'll validate myself and I'll find worth in myself. And so you chase after success and money trying to fill this gap because that's how you see yourself. This man saw himself lame from birth, which he was, but his solution was, I just need to get through today. I just need to get by today. And he was coming to the religious place, receiving from religion everything that it could give, which was money. And what he was about to encounter was a couple of believers with the Holy Spirit that were going to give him new life. And that's exactly what takes place. Peter and John look at him and they say, look, we don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. <laughs> Verse 7, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. The second thing I want you to write in your notes is that we got to take people by the hand. We, we, got, we got to take them by the hand. What do I mean by that? The power, the, pa the healing power in this story was in the name of Jesus. No question. But the means by which it was delivered was through the hand of Peter. Healing came in the name of Jesus, but it came through the hand of Peter, right? How many of us, don't raise your hand, know people who need healing but were unwilling to extend the hand? 
I think about Peter, right? Because we've heard the story preached on this platform before. Peter, when he's walking on water, incredible experience, and he starts to sink, right? Jesus could have done anything he wanted. Jesus could have gone poof and put him in the boat. He could have, but what does Jesus do? And Peter remembers this. What does Jesus do when he walks on the water to him? He does what? He, he extends his hand. You read the account. Jesus grabbed him by the hand, pulled him up. And in this story, Peter's going, look, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He didn't have to touch him, but there's something powerful about the human touch. There's something powerful about taking somebody by the hand. Whose hand are you holding right now? Do me a favor, and this is going to mess some of y'all up. It might start a dating life for some of you. Grab, grab the hand next to you. I don't care if you know him or not. Grab the hand next to you. Uh-huh. You can get her number later. This is important. This is important, church. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. In the early church, and I know this is weird, some of you married couples hadn't held hands in a long time. The feelings are coming back, aren't they? I remember the first time I held Ashley's hand. We were in a movie. Uh, we'd gone to, and I'm just extending this out. We were at Applebee's, and then we went to go see a movie, Final Destination. It was, it's an old movie. It's kind of scary, but it was an easy one to like slot over there. Like, mm-hmm, got you. And all the feelings started to come alive, right? Here's the deal. The early church, when we read about the power of the Holy Spirit and what set them apart, it was, it was the Holy Spirit working through the lives of everybody in the church, right? It was, it was bearing one another's burdens. It was praying for one another. It was meeting needs. It was encouraging one another. They were praising together. They were reading the Bible together. They were sharing the apostles' teaching together, 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 together. Can I tell you that the, the healing power of the Holy Spirit is going to come to this church and through this church just like this, working just like this. You, you might have depression, which, listen, it's real. Depression and anxiety is real. And the healing is going to come in the name of Jesus. Healing will come by the Holy Spirit, but it might be through the person sitting next to you. Track with me. Uh, you, you may be in a place where you have financial debt, right? You got a hardship. You have a burden. We have seen this happen. Stories on stories in this church where, hey, you can't pay rent or groceries are short. But guess what? Healing's going to come to that situation by the Holy Spirit, but it's going to happen through the church. Somebody else covering your bills. Somebody else filling your pantry. This is how the church works. Y'all can let go now, by the way. And if you're still holding on, you're good, right? The whole Bible, the whole, the, y'all, the Bible is a story of this divine partnership of God, the miraculous, working through people. He doesn't have to use us, but he chooses to. I think about Moses in the Old Testament. God says, I want you, Moses, to go to set my people free, right? He didn't have to do that. God could have done it however he wanted, but he chooses a man in Moses and says, go to the Pharaoh and demand my people be set free. And what happens? God performs a miracle, but he uses a man to see it through. I think about Joshua. When Joshua goes into Canaan and establishes the promised land, he works through a man and establishes, like conquers kingdoms and the people establish themselves. David and Goliath, right? God could have easily just wiped out Goliath without using David. Why did he use David? Because God chooses to allow us to partner in his mission. It's the beauty of the church. Some of you are here going, I don't feel like God's working in my life. Let me ask a question. Are you extending your hand to anybody who needs it? 
Because if you don't allow yourself to be used, if you're not a conduit of the Holy Spirit, then what's going to happen is you're going to dry up. Because what the Spirit filled in us is supposed to flow through us. That's why it's called living water. You ever seen a mud puddle? It's water, but it's not flowing and it's not living. And eventually it dries up. A river won't. Because there's something coming in and there's something going out. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to look like in our lives. Peter and John say, look at us real quick. Look at us. Look at us. And they take him by the hand as they did. The man's feet and his ankles were instantly healed and instantly strengthened. Now that can happen. It did happen. Some of y'all, I probably lose you right there because you're like, that hasn't happened in my life. Right? I've been praying for the miracle haven't seen it yet. And, and, and I want you to know, I have been right there. I woke up this morning, wasn't the first thing I did, but it wasn't long after my coffee that I checked Instagram. And I had a direct message in my Instagram box from a man who, who worships with us at Awaken. He's watched online through COVID. And the sentence was this, I posted yesterday, I can't wait to preach this message. It was a picture from my back porch. And he responded, I don't believe. was sent early in the morning. I don't know what his state was when he sent that. But can I just tell you real quick, I don't expect everyone in this room to believe everything I'm preaching right now. And I definitely don't expect you to believe it necessarily at the same level of belief that I do. But here's what I know, because I've seen it. I know that we serve and we worship a miracle-working God. I, I, I believe in this book because it's, it's changed my life. Like I, I, and I'm not saying this so much to convince you that sent that message to believe, but what I am saying is this. This man laying on the ground did not believe anything had the power to change his life because it didn't until he encountered the Holy Spirit. So don't tell me God can't do in your life what he has been showing himself to do all through history. We serve a miracle-working God. They look at this man, they say, look, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And y'all, y'all know the rest of the story. The man, verse 8, he jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. And it wasn't some little wobbly two-year-old walk. Is that what age they walk? 18 months, two years? One Ours were advanced. They walked at one. <laughs> you know, it, it, it wasn't something like wobbly, like, oh, I think I know what I'm doing. No, we have an account. Like, he stood up, he walked then, right? Because he realized they work. Walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Get this picture real quick. This man's been laying outside the temple for I don't know how long, every day for the number of days that we have a count of. People walking by. Oh, there he is again. Yeah, I gave you money yesterday. Why are you still laying there? What'd you do, go buy alcohol and drugs with it? I, I, I saw you yet. It's the same guy. Just look that Kids, look that way so we don't have to look at, you know, look that way. When you pull it to the stoplight, look to the right because he's there every day with the sign and I don't want to have to, definitely don't look him in the eyes, right? Which adds power to the, hey, look at us. Because everybody else is looking away from him, right? Uh, 
they saw this man every day. And then I saw him, he busts through the doors of the church service. Hey! <laughs> and he's running around, he's jumping, he's bouncing, and they're like, oh, wow. Because it's him, but he's alive. And he's bouncing, and he's praising, and he's looking at all of them. And he's like, I don't need your money anymore. I'm good. Right? Like, and they are in shock. They're in awe, as we would be too. Can I just tell you, we got stories in Awakened Church. People, I'm in shock at what God has done in their life. I was sitting on a beach yesterday, had some friends with a boat, praise Jesus, that took us to this little place. And I was sitting on the beach yesterday, talking to a guy named Brad, never seen him before in my life. But he looks at me, he says, so, so he's on staff with you too? He was talking about Justin Riccio. I said, yeah, Justin's on, on my team. We serve at the same church. Man, I got stories on him. Yeah, you know what? He's a walking, talking, leaping, praising miracle of God because he's been delivered and healed. And you can try to twist that however you want to. He's sitting right here. He's one of my closest friends. I've seen what Jesus has done in his life. When this dude walked into church, people are like, hey, that, yeah, that's him. I want what he's got. Track this now. Up to this point, he wanted what they had. We need money. I need money. I need money to get by. Now they're going, no, no, whatever you just got, I need that in my life. And, and what happens, listen, what happens, they all run outside the temple. So they left church. Which, by the way, can I just tell you, the miracles of God are more likely going to happen out there than they are in here. Like, if you're coming in here hoping, oh, I have this amazing experience. And listen, we got 166 hours to live out there during the week. That's where God wants to use you. And that's where the preaching's going to happen. That's where the sermons get delivered. That's where you share your story. That's where you encounter people who are desperate to know the Lord. This right here, this is locker room. This is, this is locker room talk. Can I just be real honest real quick? Some of you are like, I didn't come ready for locker room talk today. That's okay. You might not make the team. It's cool. But, <laughs> but when we... we when we go out there, that's where the work has to be done. They all run out of church, and we're told in verse 12, they, they run to Solomon's colonnade, or Solomon's porch. Really important, because here's what would happen. The Jews and Christians, they would meet in this area outside the temple, and they would argue, and they would debate back and forth. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's right? Who's wrong? Now they walk out, and what they find in verse 12 is this man is literally, literally hanging on to Peter and John's legs. Like, y'all did for me what I could not do for myself. And then what we find in verse 12, it's not going to be on the screens, because I was like, I don't know how to deliver that. This morning, I forgot to tell y'all, maybe, maybe y'all can put it up production, I don't know how this works. But verse 12, or verse, or verse 11, they all rushed out in amazement, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John, which can I just tell you real quick, that's a beautiful picture of discipleship. When you see somebody... Uh, that has a miracle performed in their life. God does something special in their life. They walk through these baptism waters. They come out. Don't let go of them. Let them hold on. That's discipling. Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's what Paul said to us. We should have people latching on to us. The reason so many of us, listen, this is important, church, Christians. The reason so many of you don't have anybody latching on to you is because you haven't put a hand out. There are people waiting and desperate that need to be led along. And just because I get baptized is not the finish line, y'all. This is the beginning. Somebody comes out of the water, now teach me how to follow Jesus. I took the first step. Now teach me how to follow Jesus. 
This man's holding on to Peter and John. Look what happens in verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. We got thousands that have rushed out of the temple. And on the, the front and center stage, Peter, John, and this man who's been healed. Peter steps back and goes, God's doing something bigger right here. There's, there's, a, big, there's, a, I, there's a bigger story taking place right here. Don't, don't ever forget that what God is doing in your life or has done in your life and what you see him doing in other people's lives really is part of a bigger story. Right, the third point, and I'm trying to, is, is to magnify the miracle. What's the miracle? Yeah, the man's healed. It's an incredible miracle. I had to say that just the right way because that's the cue for the band to come up. Y'all see him moving. I think so many times we, we, we read the Bible like this and we go, oh, there's a, a, a lame man that got healed. God's amazing. And he is. But, but God in his sovereignty and in his plan decided, okay, I see all these people going to the temple every single day. They're arguing back and forth about who's right. Let me show them something that can't be argued. And he heals this man. Everybody flocks out. Peter immediately has this audience. I want you to think about like an amphitheater with a couple thousand people. And Peter steps forward and realizes in the moment, okay, this is bigger than what I thought. I knew that I was, okay, God worked through us right here, but what he's doing here is so much bigger. And then Peter in Acts chapter, right at the end of the chapter, he, he begins, people of Israel, everybody. And he starts sharing the gospel. And on this day, if you read all the way through, the church grows from 3,000 to 5,000 people. Yes, a man got to walk, which is amazing. And I think sometimes we go, oh, I just want to walk. Or I just want the miracle. And we forget to zoom out and go, no, no, no. The miracle's amazing, but there's something bigger taking place. We're a part of a broader story. And the story is the glory of God. And when we participate in what he's doing, that's the miracle. In just a few moments, you're going to see people that have made a decision to give their lives to Jesus and they're baptized. And you just like me, you've looked at the screen and you're like, man, that's amazing what God's delivered them through. Can I invite you to zoom out this morning? Just zoom out. And, and, and maybe the perspective you need this morning is we still serve a God who saves. <laughs> the same God working miracles right here in Acts 3. He's still working today. We're a part of that story. We're part of the church. It's bigger than me, you know? I think sometimes in this egocentric, individualistic world that we live in, it's all about us. And I think sometimes God goes, no, no, no. It's not actually about you. Because on this day, yes, the man got healed. But so did thousands of other people of a deeper condition they could do nothing about. And they crossed from religion to relationship with the God of the universe through the person of Jesus Christ. The same invitation, the same invitation is for you today. I know you might have come looking for new legs or for that child or for that provision or that job or that relationship. And that's not a bad thing. But can I tell you the bigger thing is to come to know and love God through the person of Jesus Christ. That's what he's done for you. The Bible teaches him what Paul or what Peter preached right here. 
is that God loved them so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, yet die on the cross for their sins. And because he rose from the dead, they too could have life and life eternal. Peter preached it, thousands responded and were baptized and the church began to grow. That's the same church that you're part of today. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I know we got somebody waiting in the waters. We got a line up here. Y'all, this is beautiful, isn't it? But before we go there, I want to go here. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I just breeze through a message that really is about the miracle of salvation. And I believe that today, maybe some of you have come to church, maybe to support one of these being baptized. Maybe you came in response to an invitation someone extended to you. Maybe someone reached out their hand and said, let me just bring you with me to church. Can I tell you the ultimate reason behind that taking place? They really want you to know Jesus Christ. And today, the same invitation that was issued at Solomon's porch where thousands responded, the same invitation is going forward right now. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. I want to invite you to latch your life onto the saving message that God loves you so much he sent his son to die on a cross for you. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And when you trust and believe in what he did, you too can have life. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. Those on the platform did that at some point, and now they're following a baptism. If that's you today, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to start a relationship with God. When I hit three, throw your hand up. One, two, three, and lift it up high. We want to celebrate, pray with you. Anybody, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to start following Jesus. Amen. Come on, anybody else? Keep it up. I want to see your hand. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we praise you for decisions being made in this moment. We thank you that we're part of a broader story in this place. We thank you, God, that you get the glory for every single thing shared this morning, for every story we're about to celebrate and this baptistry, and God, every story that'll go forth from this platform. It's you alone that saves, and it's the name of Jesus that makes us possible. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, can we celebrate decisions in the room this morning?